Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, the 18th of October, 2012, and we are in the fall retreat. We are in the still water meditation hall of the Upper Hamlet, Plum Village. You are invited to join us in our winter retreat. 90 days in a row. This is the best retreat of the year. In the Buddhist tradition, monks and nuns have to to, uh, to have a three-month retreat every year. And in uh, in Asia, uh, that is uh, during the rain season. In that way, uh, they do not have to go out and step on the many insects that come out because of the rain. It has become a tradition for 2,600 years. Monks and nuns to stay together in a practice center and practice for 90 days. And uh, the lay people can join them. Uh, every fortnight for a day of mindfulness. But they don't go out. They do not accept the invitation to go out. Uh, Now we do better than in the time of the Buddha. We have lay practitioners coming and stay with us for three months. And they can go deeper in the studies and the practice. In case you cannot come with us, you can follow our Dhamma talks on, uh, online. But uh, to listen to a Dhamma talk is not enough. You have to be within the, the Sangha in order to inherit, to, um, to profit from the collective energy of practice. And uh, 90 days is very nourishing and healing. In Paris, like in other places in France, uh, many people who cannot come to Plum Village for the retreat, they try their best to to participate in, uh, in the retreat. They follow at home very much the same schedule sitting, walking, uh, listen to the Lama talk, and so on. The theme of uh, this winter retreat is uh, are we uh, soul mates of the Buddha? Do we understand the Buddha? Do we really understand the Buddha? Because the Buddha was misunderstood, is misunderstood by many people, including his own students. So we go deep, we shall go deeply in order to see how people misunderstand the Buddha and have an image of the Buddha completely distorted by the imagination, the perception. And they have uh, a very distorted uh, image of the Dharma, 
because uh, more than 100 years of uh, Indianism uh, have not uh, brought us uh, a picture of the Buddha and Buddhism uh, uh, close enough to the truth. Even many scholars uh, are very versed, well versed in uh, Sanskrit, uh, Pali, uh, Tibetan, Chinese, and so on. It's not because you have an intellect that you know many kind of languages that you can understand the scriptures and you can understand the practice and the teaching of the Buddha. So this winter we shall focus on that problem. As Kinusam the Zamsa, the Buddha. When the Buddha speaks, they misunderstand him. When the Buddha keeps silent, they also misunderstand him. <laughs> and that is why we have a sutra called uh, The Better Way to Catch a Snake. If you don't know how to catch a snake, the snake will bite you. And the Buddha said that uh, my teaching is like a snake. If you don't know how to learn and understand it, it will do harm to you. More harm than good. Misunderstanding the Dharma is not good for, not only for the Buddha, but for yourself. So we shall try to go uh, more deeply in that uh, uh, reflection. Uh, last Sunday we spoke about uh, relationship. And many of us uh, suffer because of uh, a difficult relationship. We know that if we uh, follow the advice of the Buddha, we can uh, change. We can restore communication. We can bring about, uh, bring back uh, reconciliation and uh, happiness. The second noble truth. can be described as uh, a source of uh, nutriment, memory And in a relationship, we nourish each other. So you have to select the kind of food to offer the other person, the kind of food that can help, that can help heal him, heal her, and transform him or her. And we ourselves, we have to, to nourish ourselves with the same kind of, uh, of food. Because uh, the Buddha said that uh, nothing can survive without food, including your love, including your hate, your suffering. Everything needs food in order to, to continue. Uh, if suffering continues, Always, because you keep uh, feeding your suffering. In your daily life, you keep feeding your suffering. And practicing meditation is to look into the nature of your suffering and find out what kind of nutriment, what kind of food you have been using 
in order to keep it alive. And once you have found out the source of nutriment for your suffering, you just cut it off, and your suffering will have to die. The same thing is true with your uh, depression. If your depression continues, it means you continue, you have continued, and you are continuing to feed your depression. And looking deeply into your depression, you can uh, recognize the source of uh, food, the source of nutriment that you have uh, consumed in order to, to nourish it. The Buddha said, what has come to be, namely your ill being, what has come to be. If you know how to look deeply into it and find out the source of nutriment that has brought it in to you, you have already on the path of uh, transformation and healing. So that is the meaning of the first uh, and the second noble truth. The first uh, truth is uh, ill being. It's written in Chinese, Ko. This also means bitterness. And in Sanskrit, it's dukkha. So the first noble truth is ill being, the suffering in us and the suffering in the other person, also the suffering in the world. And Buddhism begins with that. It's very uh, pragmatic. You have to recognize it. You cannot pretend that it's not there. You should not try to pretend that it's not there. You should not try to cover up your suffering. You should not try to run away. So the first noble truth is that we should recognize the presence of uh, the ill being in us, in the other person, and in the world. There are people who say, why call it, why call ill being noble? What is so noble about suffering? And the answer is that it's noble because without it, you have no way to create happiness and liberation. Without understanding suffering, there's no way to create compassion. And without compassion, without love, it's impossible to be happy and to make another person happy. So love, understanding, are the kind of 
lotus flowers that grow on the mud of suffering. So you need suffering in order to, 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 to nourish understanding and love. And that is why your being, the first, no, the first truth is also normal. If you try to run away from it, if you pretend that it's not there, there's no way that you can allow understanding and compassion arise. And without understanding and compassion, you are utterly alone. You're utterly alone, loneliness, in loneliness. You cannot relate to anybody. Without understanding and love, there's no happiness. There's no well-being. So there's a connection between ill-being and well-being. There's a connection between the mud and the lotus that grow out of the mud. And that is the teaching of interbeing. You cannot be by yourself alone. You have to interbe with the other side. And looking deeply into ill-being, listening to it, you discover the second noble truth, which is uh, uh, the making of your being, how your being has come to be. There must be a way of living that has led to your being. And looking into being, uh, your being, you can recognize the path leading to your being. You can recognize uh, uh, the way of life that has engendered your being. And when you have recognized that path, you are already on the path of transformation and healing. When you realize that path, you decide to abandon that path. And you take the opposite path, which is the path leading to the cessation of your being. So the second noble truth can be described as a path on soul. The coming into being of uh, your being. Samudaya. And the Venerable Shariputra, one of the most intelligent uh, disciples of the Buddha, he liked to describe the second noble truth in terms of uh, nutriment, food. Because of our way of consuming, the suffering has come to be. And the Buddha himself has said that uh, nothing can survive without food, including your love. Your love might be very beautiful. Usually it is very beautiful in the beginning. And you believe that uh, you cannot survive without that love. Love in the beginning is very beautiful. But if you do not know how to, to nourish your love, to feed your love, it will die. 
So in a relationship, we should know how to nourish each other. No, that means to nourish love between us. Whatever uh, thought that you produce in your, in your head, in your heart. In China, they say, in your belly. <laughs> that is nutriment. Your thinking should be in the right, in the line of of right thinking, in order for it to be nourishing. So, if you produce a thought that is uh, that carries with it uh, suspicions, anger. Fear, irritation, that's not nourishing. <coughs> that thought is not nourishing to you and to him, to her. If the relationship has become difficult, because you have, you have we have nourished ourselves with such kind of thought, and nourish the other person with such kind of thought, which is uh, wrong thinking. Whatever we say is nourishment. We can say something that can nourish us and nourish the other person. And that kind of speech is called a race speech. Right thinking, right speech. La bonne pensée, la parole aimante. So in our daily life, we should uh, say things that can nourish us and nourish other person. If you can write a letter, full of understanding, compassion, brotherhood, sisterhood. During the time you write that letter, you nourish yourself. Because everything you write down is nourishing for him, for her, and first for you. The other person has not received the letter yet. But typing the letter, you are nourishing yourself because what you are saying in the letter is full of compassion, full of understanding. And that we can do. We should not say that I cannot do that. We can. Why? Because I have looked into myself and understood my suffering. Therefore, I can understand your suffering more easily and understanding suffering in me and in you, I have uh, compassion. And that is why whatever I write down, what I say, 
what I send, what I write in my email, carries understanding, compassion, brotherhood, sisterhood. The other person may have not read your message, but it has already nourished you because of what you say, what you write down. And we should refrain from saying or writing down the things that are nourishing and healing. Sometimes one wrong speech can make a person suffer for many years and make you suffer for many years. We have to be very careful in a state of anger, hate, you may say something that can be very destructive. It's poisonous. So that uh, we need the practice of mindfulness in order to, to be ourselves and not to say a thing that will destroy or ruin our relationship. And then the, the next thing is uh, right action. Chánh tư duy, chánh ngữ, chánh nghiệp. What do we do with our body? Can nourish ourselves or can destroy ourselves? can nourish the other person or can destroy her, destroy him. We learned that domestic violence is increasing in many families between parents and children father and mother, because we are not ourselves. We are not in control of our anger. We don't know how to handle our anger. We lack uh, peace in ourselves. We lack understanding and compassion in ourselves. In Buddhism, we speak of uh, karma. Karma means action. Action. And action is not only action of the body. Thinking is already action. Every thought has will bring a f- the fruit and maybe right away. If you produce uh, a thought of hate, of anger, of despair, that thought is a poison that can ruin your body and your mind. A thought of hate, of anger, can lead a person to kill, to destroy. If you are a terrorist, it means 
you have been producing the thought of hate, of anger, the willingness to punish. So thinking is already acting. You don't need to say something or to do something in order to, to be acting. You need only to produce a thought. That is all the action. And that is a kind of food. Healthy or unhealthy kind of food. And mindfulness tells you that it is healthy or not healthy, the, the thought that you just produce. In Buddhism, thinking is energy. Thinking is already energy. Even if you don't see the thinking, the thinking is energy. It is manifest, non-manifested, but it is there as energy. Vishnati Biu means manifest, manifestation. People don't see, but it is there because your thinking is already a kind of energy. It can be very powerful. It will push you to do and say things that may be destructive. Avishnapti. Vobio not manifested. So your speech and your action, bodily action are manifested action. And your thinking is a non-manifested action. That is uh, the teaching of Buddhism concerning action. And it is said very clearly that you are your action. You are what you do. Not only with your body, but with your mouth and with your, your mind. Uh, there is a French uh, philosopher who says very much the same kind of thing. His name is uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. He said that l'homme est la somme de ses actes. Man is the sum of his uh, karma, of his action. Man is not his body, her body. But man is his action. The value of a person is in his or her action. Lam elasam desizat, the totality of his action. It means uh, action has three aspects. Think, thought, speech, and act.
it is interesting that uh, in the teaching of the Buddha, we consider our thought as energy. And energy is very close to matter because matter can become energy and energy can become matter. So that is why that kind of energy that you can not see is called a vobiosak, avishnapti rupa, vobiosak, not manifested matter. So your thought is as real as your action. Your thought can kill, or your thought can save. It's interesting to see that um, that in Buddhism, mind is considered as matter. It's not different from matter. Mind and matter, they make each other's. It, it, uh, it, it goes in parallel with uh, science. Energy is made of matter. The people who say that uh, energy is uh, matter diluted, extremely diluted. And matter is energy extremely condensed. So there should not, these are not two different things. They are the same thing in different forms. So the thinking is also energy, it is also matter. And we can say that the second, the second noble truth is khotap. It means the, energy, the, the making of suffering. We can say that it is dukkha samudaya, the making of your being. And when we come to the third noble truth, and that is uh, the cessation of your being, the transformation of your being. Yeah. Niroda, the cessation of the make of uh, the making of suffering. You can say it's like dukkha samudaya niroda. If you stop this, this will stop. If you stop this, this will stop. <laughs> You stop the thing at the roots. And we have said that uh, sometimes the second noble truth is conceived as a path, is a way of life that leads to ill-being. And sometimes we say it is a kind of nutriment that we have used in order to nourish our ill-being. So we can 
we can conceive that uh, the thought that we produce, the speech that we, uh, we, we utter, the words that we utter, and the action, the body action that we perform, is a way leading either to suffering or to happiness. And right means the good way. Right thinking, right speech, right action is a good nutriment that will lead to happiness, that lead to the healing. And of course, the second noble truth is the opposite. Wrong thinking, wrong speech, and wrong action. And looking into this noble truth, we find the second noble truth, the, the path leading to ill-being, the path of wrong thinking, the path of wrong speech, and wrong action. And that is why it's so easy to see the fourth noble truth, which is the path leading to the cessation or the transformation of your being. It means the path leading to the cessation of the cause of your being. In Sanskrit, you can say, not there. Dukha Samudaya Niroda Matya. The path leading to the cessation of the cause of it's quite simple. And this path is opposite to this path. This path has right thinking, right speech, and right action. The noble path that led to the cessation of hearing is made of uh, eight uh, elements. And when you see the second noble truth, you see at the same time the fourth noble truth. Because the fourth is the, just the opposite of the second. Here we have uh, right thinking. And here you have uh, rice speech. And here you have uh, right action. And here you have uh, 
right livelihood. Moyen d'existence juste. Right livelihood. You have a job. That does not destroy the life of other people, deprive them of uh, life, the chance to life, to live. Do not destroy the environment. Great livelihood. We prefer to have a Uh, uh, income, a salary that is a bigger than to have a lot of uh, money, high salary. Uh, when uh, that um, that income, that salary is uh, causing uh, suffering to other people, to other species and to our environment, right livelihood. So if you have, if we have in our life a, a job, an occupation that help us to practice uh, compassion, and then we are a happy person. Even if uh, we do not have a lot of money, we are much happier than those who have a lot of money but uh, who have no compassion. Without compassion, you cannot be a happy person. Without a compassion, you are alone, utterly alone. You cannot relate to another person and to the environment. And here we have uh, right Diligence. It means we have a practice. We have a spiritual practice. We have the practice of mindfulness. And with the energy of mindfulness, we make everything right. We grow in our uh, spiritual practice. We have uh, understanding and compassion grow every day. That means uh, right diligence. And here we have uh, right mindfulness. And right uh, concentration. And we have here right view. So this is the path that leads to the cessation of the cause of ill-being and of ill-being at the same time. You can uh, 
explain the path, show the path to someone, beginning, beginning either with right view or with right mindfulness. Mindfulness is a kind of energy that brings us back to the here and the now. Mindfulness is the energy that can bring the mind home to the body so that you can be truly there in the here and the now and live your life deeply. And you can live your life happily also with mindfulness. You are mindful that you have a body, that you are alive, that this, um, this planet is uh, wonderful, and mindfulness helps you to enjoy every moment uh, being uh, here on Earth with other species. So mindfulness uh, practice in our daily life make uh, true diligence uh, possible. Mindfulness produce concentration. When you are mindful of something, you are somehow concentrated on it. And if the concentration is deep, you make a breakthrough and you understand the very nature of what is there. And that is why uh, mindfulness and concentration bring right view. Right view is uh, insight understanding, a deep uh, vision of reality. So when you look at this uh, logo, Plum Village, you see Smurti as uh, mindfulness, Samadhi as uh, concentration, and Prasna as insight. And right view is insight. The insight that can liberate Lead by you and help liberate the other person. And in Buddhism, we speak of liberation with by insight. Suppose we practice mindfulness while looking and observing the other person, our partner. And with mindfulness, we see the way the other person thinks, speaks, and does things. We are having difficulties with him or her. But with mindfulness, we can look. And if we are mindful enough, we are concentrated on that. Have we had a chance to look at the other person deeply? That is the question. We may have lived with each other five years or ten years, but we may have not looked deeply into that person and understand him or her. And we may have done the same thing with us. We think that we already understand 
who we are. We live with a mother. We think that we know everything about her, but that's not correct. We know only a little about her. We have to use mindfulness, concentration in order to observe and we understand her better. And if we need, we can ask her to tell us more about herself. Not to wait until she passes away in order to, to have that thought. It's nice that a son or a daughter sit with uh, the mother and ask about uh, her, how she was when she was young, and what kind of suffering, what kind of happiness she has had. Just sit with her and listen. Or with your father and listen to him. Are you interested in him or in her? We should have the time to inquire more about our father and our mother. And with our capacity of uh, listening and looking deeply, we may find out that there is deep suffering in him or in her, or in our partner. And in the teaching of the Buddha, understanding one's own suffering helps you to understand the suffering of the other person. Everything has to begin with oneself. So mindfulness and concentration directed to our own suffering, and we find out the second noble truth. And we are on the path of transformation and healing, like Buddha said. And when we look at him or her, we might see for the first time the big block of suffering in him or in her. Sometimes she might pretend that she does not suffer, and that is not true. There are people who suffer so much, but they, they are not capable of telling us the suffering inside. And you have the impression that uh, nothing was wrong in him until one day he committed suicide. It's too late. He pretend everything is okay. Because of one reason or another, he pretend that everything is going well. Maybe pride or something. He or she denied himself self-love and the love from another person. So listening, looking with mindfulness and concentration, you may discover that there is a block of suffering in the other person. We see that the other person has suffered so much, but, but does not know how to <coughs> handle the suffering in him or in her. And that's why that person continues to suffer and make the people around him or her suffer, including us. 
So once you have seen that, suddenly your anger is no longer there. Compassion arises. You don't suffer anymore when you look at that person. You are liberated from anger. And what has liberated you from your anger is the insight. What insight? That person suffers. That person needs help and not punishment. That is your insight. So mindfulness and concentration leads to insight. And insight has the power to liberate. Liberate you from anger, fear, despair. And uh, these kind of energies are crucial for healing, transformation, and nourishment. And that is why we need these three kinds of energies. And a practitioner is someone who is capable of generating these three kinds of energy in her life, in her daily life. Mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And sometimes insight comes right away with mindfulness and concentration. And insight may come very suddenly (coughs) at any time. And that's why we have to allow it a chance to happen by practicing mindfulness and concentration. And once we have the insight, we have understanding and compassion. That is why our thinking will be right thinking. That can nourish and heal. Our speech will be right speech that can heal, that can nourish our action, bodily action also. And this is a very concrete path. And there are scholars who think of cessation of ill-being, Neruda, as uh, the uh, as a, a as a permanent uh, eternal death, and they say that uh, the purpose of Buddhism is to obtain eternal death. It's very strange. The scholars who know Sanskrit, Pali, Tibetan, Chinese, after 10 years of studies, have come to a conclusion that the purpose of the Buddhist is to reach eternal death. But when you look at this path leading to the cessation of well-being, you don't see that anything of this leads to eternal death. Anything in the, any element of the path leads to happiness, to transformation and healing. Because those uh, 
scholars, they only use their notions, their intellect in order to read the scriptures. They don't they are not interested in the practice. And Buddhism is not a theory, a doctrine. It is a path of practice. So if uh, this is uh, a noble path leading to the cessation of your being, meaning the presence of well-being, and then the second truth, the second noble truth is uh, the path leading to your being, the ignoble path, not the noble path. And we can also think of the second and the fourth in terms of nutriment. This is kind of food that you afford yourself and to your partner. You abandon this path and you adapt this path. And the healing, the nourishment happens right away when you leave that path and take up this path. So when in the presence of a Sangha, you formally receive the five mindfulness trainings. It means you are determined to leave the wrong path and take the new, the good path. Because the five mindfulness trainings, <clears throat> the five mindfulness trainings are a very concrete practice of the, the eight, the eightfold noble path, the noble eightfold path. This is the path of the Buddha, the path taken by the Buddha, the path proposed by the Buddha to all of us. It's very positive. It does not lead to eternal death. It leads to life, to joy, to happiness, to love. Mindfulness training that you have received is a very concrete practice. It is uh, on mindful consumption. We should consume only what can bring us good health, mental and physical. And that is why after having received the five trainings, you have to recite the trainings every fortnight and participate in the recitation of the trainings, participate in the discussion, the sharing as how to better live the five trainings apply the five trainings in our daily life. 
the fifth mindfulness training on mindful consumption is really the way out for our society because we have consumed so much toxins, poisons, and we ruin our relationship. The first uh, kind of nutriment is called uh, edible food. Nutriment, the four ahara. Nourishment, uh, the, the four ahara. The four nutriment. And the first is edible food. What we eat should not bring toxins into our body and should be able to have us nourish compassion. So when you shopping, you use your mindfulness and you buy only the things that has no poisons the things that have been raised, uh, uh, cultivated in such a way that will not ruin our body and uh, harm our compassion and harm our environment. When we drink uh, Alcohol. We know that it's not good for our body. When we drink liquor, we know that it's not good for our body. And not good for the environment, not good for other species. In order to make liquor, you need to use a lot of, uh, of grains, of cereals. And with mindfulness, you look at uh, the liquor in your glass. And you see that uh, a great quantity of grains have been used in order to make that liquor. And uh, agriculture, our way to, to grow food should be changed. We are cutting down forests. In order to uh, raise uh, stocks, uh, animals for eating the meat. We have used uh, the kind of chemicals that uh, destroyed the environment. 
We have used uh, a huge quantity of uh, grains in order to make uh, liquor, while millions of uh, people are dying because of uh, the lack of food. We learn that uh, many tens of thousands of children die every day because of the lack of uh, food, lack of uh, nutrition. And uh, drinking alcohol like that and eating meat like that we do not allow compassion in us to grow. And the Buddha told the story of that young couple who, uh, who had to cross uh, a desert in order to take refuge in another country. Halfway of uh, the des- desert, they ran out of food, and they had to kill their little boy in order to eat to survive. This is a real story uh, told by the Buddha by a couple of refugees. Uh, there is a sutra on the four kinds of nutrients, and the Buddha told the story in that sutra. The husband said, three of us will die, and there's no hope. So we have to kill our boy, and at least two of us will survive, and we will try to, to produce another child if we get out of this desert. So after having killed the boy, they ate one piece of that flesh and kept the rest to dry on their shoulder. And every time they eat a, a piece of that, uh, of that uh, flesh, they cry. But finally, they got out of the desert and was accepted as a refugee in the other country. The Buddha looked at his monks and said, Dear friends, do you think that the couple enjoy eating their son's flesh? And the monks said, No, it's impossible. And the Buddha said, We should eat in such a way that that can preserve compassion in us. We should not eat the flesh of our own children. Because those children are dying every day, a little bit in the world, they are our children. And if we drink alcohol and eat meat like that, we are kind of drinking their blood and eating their flesh. So to reduce the eating of meat, or to refrain from eating meat, uh, to stop drinking alcohol is a good way to uh, express your compassion. 
to nourish your compassion. And that is the first kind of nutriment, edible food. So every time we begin our lunch or dinner, we should devote one or two minutes looking at the food. We say the five contemplations. So that we are sure that we are not eating our own, the flesh of our own child. And eating things that are not nourishing, eating that things that can destroy our, our, our body is not kind to our ancestors. The second kind of nutriment is um, sensor, sensory impression. Sensorial impression. That is what we consume by our eyes, our ear, our nose, our tongue and our body and our mind. Music is food. Uh, television, films are food. Novels, magazines are food. Even conversation is food. When you have a conversation of, with the other person, what the other person say may be full of toxins, may be full of hate, anger, frustration. And if you keep sitting and listening to that, you consume. That's not good for you. So if you are a psychotherapist, be aware. You have to be strong enough in order to not to absorb all this kind of suffering. You have to practice so that you are protected by compassion. And when you listen like that, you listen with mindfulness and compassion. So instead of uh, consuming toxins, you create more compassion in yourself. And when you listen with compassion, you are protected by compassion, and you can help the other person suffer less. Psychotherapists can get sick if they don't know how to practice uh, protecting themselves. Right consumption. When you hear Dhamma talk, so the Dharma nourishes you. The Dharma, uh, the Dharma uh, water the seed of understanding and compassion in you. That's good food. But if you read a magazine, an article in a magazine full of fear, anger, hate, you are consuming bad, uh, bad uh, uh, nutrients. So there is a, must be a good policy 
of consumption for you, for your family, and for your society. If you are a minister of culture, of education, please think about it and try to make the kind of decision, the kind of law that can help your people, your country, to consume the right way, the right consumption, the fifth mindfulness training. You consume, consume the good things, and you offer the good things for him or for her to consume. When you go to the internet, you consume. And there are many areas of the internet that can be can offer bad uh, kind of nutrients, and your children also. And you should think about uh, our daily life in terms of um, consumption. We should consume in such a way that can preserve our our compassion, our health, and the health of uh, our the other person, of our countrymen, of uh, society. And that is why we should not produce only for the sake of having, of, of, uh, of selling, to have a lot of money. If you produce a film, if you write a novel, if you write a letter, if you have a conversation, you produce and you consume and the other person consume and your health, your ill-being depends on that. That is the fifth mindfulness training. So the second source of nutriment you consume with your eyes, your ear, your nose, your tongue, your body. You consume uh, um, feelings and contact. And you consume with your mind. If you get the ideas that are not compassionate, if you get the ideas that are not understanding, ideas that are the product of wrong view, you are not consuming in mindfulness. They keep saying that, they keep telling you that, and you, and what they say, what they write will penetrate into you, and that is consumption. So when you read something, you listen something, uh, you should be very careful. Because the toxins, the poisons uh, that we observe will ruin our health and make us into a source of suffering to ourselves and to the other person. So in this uh, 
respect, the Buddha used the image of a cow that has a skin disease. And the cow is uh, attacked by all kinds of uh, uh, insect, uh, microorganism coming from the soil, coming from the trees, coming from the water. So without a skin, a cow cannot protect herself. So without mindfulness, we are attacked by the items of consumption that we don't want to consume. When you drive your car to the city, you consume the advertisement. Hit your eyes. And you are forced to consume that. And when you, you watch a film, and they stop the film and, and force you to consume the advertisement. So, yeah, we have to, to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves. And I think legislators, members of the parliament, have to take that into account. And we have to protect our children also. And the third kind of detriment is a volition. Tư niệm thực. Súc thực. Đoàn thực. Volition is... Uh, is... Um, the purpose of your life the deepest desire, the reason, the raison d'etre of your life. You want to do something with your life. And that is a nutriment, that is a source of nutriment. The Buddha has his own volition his own deep desire to practice, to transform, and to help the people. That is a good nutriment. The terrorist also has volition. We want to punish as many as possible. So each of us have to sit down and examine what are the deepest intention in us, which are our deepest desire, what we want to do with our life. If that intention is to help uh, protect the planet, that is a good nutriment. But if that intention is to, 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 to have uh, uh, more power, more sex, more money, more fame. It might be dangerous kind of food. We have to examine our notion of happiness. There are those of us who think that happiness is possible when you have a lot of power, 
love of money, love of sex, love of fame. But looking around, we see many people who have plenty of these four things, but they are not really happy. And some of them are very lonely and commit suicide. So we know that these four things are not truly uh, elements, true elements of happiness. True happiness must be understanding and love and compassion. And if your deepest the, the, uh, uh, volition, desire, <coughs> is to create more understanding, more mutual understanding among men, and more, more compassion among living beings, that is good intention. What I want to do with my life, that is the question. And that is very strong. That intention is very strong. It can bring you to a place of uh, coolness, happiness, joy, or it can bring you to a burning, uh, desperate uh, place like hell. Hell is here and now. Our paradise also is here and now. And what brings us to hell or paradise is that intention. And the last kind of uh, nutriment spoken by the Buddha is uh, consciousness. Thuk thuk. Understood at, as the collective energy that the people generate when living together. If you live in a neighborhood where people are so violent, angry, hateful, and then that collective energy is not good for it. You have to protect yourself, otherwise that collective energy will penetrate into yourself and make you sick, make your children sick. The mother of uh, Mencius, a Chinese philosopher, one day she saw her little boy coming home and spoke and act in such a way that she got despair. He had been playing with uh, the kind of children that do not have, uh, did not have a good education, do not have uh, um, good behavior. And she was um, uh, working, she stopped her work and she began to reflect. Reflect. She told herself that uh, she, she should move away from this neighborhood. And she worked hard into the night in order to earn a little bit more money to help her move to another neighborhood where the children have education, the children have a good behavior, and so on. And Manchester became a good uh, famous uh, philosopher. So when a group of people live together and produce 
the wholesome energy of mindfulness, brotherhood, sisterhood, joy. That is a good nutriment. And if your intention, deep intention, is to set up such a community, that's very good. You set up a village, you set up uh, a community where people practice mindfulness, compassion, and so on, and live in such a way that is healthy. And then that is a neighborhood, good neighborhood that you create, and people can come and inherit from that collective, uh, wholesome collective uh, energy generated by by everyone. So if uh, the environment is not good, if the collective energy is uh, bad nutrient, we have to know, know how to protect ourselves. The safest way is to move away to a better environment. That does not mean that uh, we, are, we do not care for the people in that neighborhood. You can do something to help, to diminish the level of violence and crime and hate and anger of that neighborhood. When you already have enough uh, compassion and uh, strength, otherwise you'll be a victim. And the Buddha was very clear about uh, about the problem of uh, nutriment. And we can understand uh, the eight the the noble eightfold path also in terms of a path of uh, consumption. I think the sutra on the four nutriments is available in English. And we should have uh, a chance to come together every fortnight and decide the five mindfulness trainings and uh, look into the way we consume in our everyday life. That way, we transform ourselves. We improve our relationship, we bring back joy, happiness, love, mutual understanding.